0: Hey guys, this is me, Did You Move Today. Welcome to a Did you Move Today podcast. I'm your host, Andrea, and I'm very excited to be here. In this episode, I have Brooke Winder as my guest. Brooke Winder is a Southern California-based physical therapist specializing in orthopedic and pelvic floor health for dancers. She also serves as assistant professor in the Department of Dance at California State University, Long Beach, where she coordinates a bachelor's degree program in dance science and teaches courses in anatomy, injury prevention, wellness, and pilates. She is a member of the International Association of Dance Medicine and Science, Performing Arts Medicine Association, and Performing Arts Special Interest Group of the Academy of the Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Brooke provides backstage care for touring professional dance companies, physical therapy services for summer dance intensives, and community workshops to dancers and dance educators. She's also passionate about educating the dance world about pelvic floor issues, such as incontinence, prolapse, and pelvic pain, and empowering dancers to know how to address these symptoms. She has previously published in the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy, Journal of Electromyography and Kinesiology, and Orthopedic Physical Therapy Practice Magazine. She has presented research at venues such as the International Association of Dance, Medicine, and Science Annual Conference and the Performing Arts Medicine Association International Symposium. Brooke earned a doctorate in physical therapy from the University of Southern California and a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Dance from Chapman University. She's a board-certified specialist in orthopedic physical therapy, a certified Pilates instructor through Body Arts and Science International, and a former professional dancer with Orange County-based Backhouse Dance. So without further ado, let's just get started. Hi, Brooke. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, no problem. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. Do you mind if I call you Brooke or Dr. Brooke?
1: You can call me Brooke.
0: Okay, perfect. So again, thank you very much for your time. My first question for you is if you could tell me about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, so a little bit about myself personally. I um, I am a mover first off. I was initially a competitive gymnast when I was young um, and then a dancer for a long time in terms of primarily training in dance. Um, I'm also a mom to a four-year-old and a wife, and professionally now I am both a clinician, uh, so I'm a physical therapist, and I have a specialty in both orthopedics and pelvic health, as well as dance medicine, and I'm also a faculty member, so I'm in education. I'm an educator at California State University, Long Beach, where I help run the dance science degree program there. So I kind of live in in both of those worlds now.
0: When I read about yourself, about you, I was like, wow, she's a lot of things. You're an educator, you're a (laughs) professor, she's a clinician, you've published papers, you've gone to, you've been in different conferences, you also are in social media. I mean, and now you're saying that you're a mom, you have a family. So how do you balance that? (laughs) <laughs> um that's a great question I'm not sure
1: that that maybe balance is the right word <laughs> um I I mean first of all I'm someone who I I have a lot of interests and so part of the reason I I like to hang out in a few different worlds is because I've always been just one of those people who's curious and interested in a lot of things so Um, I think that part of, part of the thing that helps me quote balance is that, that those different things feed me in different ways. Um, so I seek that out. Um, but I, I will admit, I also just have a ton of support. I have a very supportive husband. I have, um, supportive family who helps out with our kiddo. Um, and there's a lot that I probably couldn't do without my family. So that, that certainly helps, but, um, it's not always (laughs) balanced, Um,
0: but but it's doable could you take me on your journey I know you started with your BFA in dance and then you decided to continue with your doctorate in physical therapy Um, and I know, coming from a I did my bachelor's of arts in business and also my bachelor's of arts in dance and I do remember when I started in the program I had this interest for anatomy and kinesiology even if we back in my school, we didn't have so many classes, uh, concerning, you know, anatomy and kinesiology. How did you, could you take me back? Sure. Um, I mean, I, in terms of how my
1: interest started and how I, I, I went, uh, growing up, moving and gymnastics and dance, of course, brought me injuries. I was pretty lucky in that I never had anything that was really huge. Um, a lot of just overuse injuries and aches and pains. So I, I went to a physical therapist and I received treatment and that was kind of my first foray into the world of physical therapy and what that was like. So that certainly sparked my interest having gone to, um, into that world as a patient, um, and then, um, but I, I, I loved dancing. I, I had a scholarship to dance. I was very, very passionate about it. Um, but I also had a million other interests. So I started out, um, you know, with my BFA in dance, but, uh, we too, we had to take, um, anatomy and we actually took our anatomy in the biology department. It wasn't specific anatomy to dance. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really fell in love with anatomy and I fell in love with kinesiology and I started to explore maybe what careers would be involved with that. Um, so I, I really liked all of that sort of world very, very early on. Um, but wasn't totally 100% committed to the, Fact that I was going to go into healthcare, um, but it was kind of in the back of my mind. Um, and while I was dancing in in my um, bachelor's program, when I had an injury or when friends had an injury, I, I started to hear a similar story. Told a lot of the time where a dancer would go to a healthcare provider, um, various different ones who didn't understand what dance was, or maybe just hadn't ever been exposed to dance in their life. And the dancers I knew always seemed to have a real frustration with explaining how athletic and how demanding dance was Mm -hmm. to someone who didn't understand dance and was in sort of the guide for their healthcare. And so that's what really started to feed me, um, in terms of my developing desire to eventually be someone who could provide that kind of care and understand dance and be able to speak a dancer's language. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of people will say that, that sometimes you become what you sort of wish you had when you were younger. <laughs> and so I think that fueled my fire that I would like to be somebody who understand both understood both of those worlds so that dancers could feel better educated and better helped in the future. And, um, so, you know, Oh, go ahead. No, (laughs) go ahead. You you can go ahead. Um, I I realized you wanted me to tell you my journey. (laughs) Um, so I did, I did stick with with um, finishing my dance degree, I thought about double majoring. Um, but at the time, my scholarship was going to be done in four years. Mm-hmm. So I needed to be out in four um, and really wanted to focus on performing. Um, and then I started dancing with a, um, a regional company in Orange County um, called Backhouse yeah. Dance. And so I danced with Backus for three years. And at the time, I also um, got my Pilates certification through Body Arts and Science International. Um, I did that because I really had fallen in love with Pilates in my undergraduate exposure. And also, it was a great way for me to have the flexibility in my schedule, pay my bills and do something that I liked outside of dance training. Um, But when I started training clients who had injuries or had things going on, I felt like I had to work around their injury in terms of my understanding and my education and my scope of practice Mm -hmm. and that I really wanted to be someone who could also intervene during that injury time and understand that more. So I kind of kept hearing this message, um, that I would be interested in going into more of this physical therapy type of route. And I, uh, Trained clients at physical therapy clinics and started to talk to more PTs. And um, I just kept getting really drawn to it. So I decided to um, go back to school and so went to grad school to get my doctor of physical therapy degree.
0: At this point, uh, Brooke, you already had your prerequisites to go into physical therapy or you had to? Uh, you know, I actually had taken, because I,
1: I had thought about double majoring in biokinesiology or kinesiology mm-hmm. um, in undergrad. And so I took, a and I had PT school or something similar on my mind. So I did take a lot of the science classes that I needed, um, but I still had a couple left to take. Um, so I did, I did, jump back in and finish those courses. Um, But I did have a little bit of um, a head start in that a lot of my prerequisites were already finished before I had to apply.
0: Great. Yeah. Uh, Now, I want to switch the gears a little bit. And one of my questions is, can dancers benefit from stretching? Uh, There is this culture, I believe, that uh, talks a lot about passive stretching and how... Mm -hmm. as in a dance in a dance studio for example we can be told sometimes when we're young to you know the more we stretch the more flexible we are and even if we have this uh hyper flexibility that we look a little bit better so I want to know what are your thoughts on on that can dancers benefit from stretching or would you do you think that mobility is better than flexibility or how would you define those terms
1: Oh, goodness. This could be a whole mini podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, when I'm, especially as dancers are looking at this, so I'm, when I'm thinking of the term flexibility, I'm looking more at um, the, maybe the more the muscle tendon unit. Um, but it, you can't really separate that out from other structures like fascia, but if you're looking at flexibility, I'm thinking of maybe this ability to stretch, um, and whether that you know from the research means we just the you know we do see that there is some benefit if if a person stretches, they improve. They typically can improve their tolerance to stretching, <laughs> um, which it has a benefit. Um, what I see that that necessarily isn't where dancers need to spend their time a lot of the time. Um, Partly it seems like a lot of dancers, maybe self-select dance because they already can move into a pretty big range of motion with their limbs. Maybe their, their joints were built in a way that they could, could move well, not all dancers, but a lot of dancers do. Um, And, I think that we tend to practice things that we maybe are already drawn to or are already good at. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of dancers maybe like to stretch. And I think, I think you're right. The culture of dance still largely and what I see on, you know, social media or what my student, my college students maybe inform me about um, and my friends with kids who are younger and dancing is that we see a lot of hyper stretching and intense stretching. Um, that can be, problematic. I mean, stretching is not in in and itself harmful. But when you are gaining range of motion, through really, really extreme ranges, and you don't have the strength to control it, that's when your joints tend to take the brunt of things. And that's what I see can be really problematic in a lot of dancers that are having trouble with that type of balance. Um, what generally I dancers don't necessarily Get taught to do enough of is strengthening and loading. And, um, I have a lot of dancers who will come to me and say, you know what, I'm just not flexible enough to lift my leg up really high. And if I lie that person, have them lie down on their back and take their leg up, they have the, the, the range of motion to get there, but then they stand up against gravity and they can't lift their leg. That's not a flexibility issue. That's a strength issue. Mm. Um, and, and so you know part of that passive stretching is that, yeah, it can improve your tolerance to passive stretching, but we haven't seen a lot of great um translation of that passive movement into your ability to do something actively if you don't have the strength to do it um so I think where dancers could be spending more of their time is strengthening and strengthening into a range of motion you want to get to because you're also going to get benefit and gain more mobility because you can move your body actively into that position and I could speak more to that but
0: um I think I think that's kind of where I I feel great I um okay so you would recommend for dancers to lift weights to you you mentioned being Uh, so increasing the weight progressively, progressive loading, and mm-hmm. even you know taking Pilates classes at the same time. So like do some cross training while, while uh, also continuing with their uh, dance classes.
1: Definitely, and I mean something that I I didn't learn a ton of when I was younger. You know, I I was taught that to be better at dancing, I needed to dance more. Mm-hmm. And that's what I needed to do. Uh, there is plenty of research out there, though our research is you know still behind other sports, mm-hmm. but it's getting there that most dance classes don't provide enough stimulus to actually get us stronger or better conditioned. It helps us certainly as artists and building skill and maybe a little bit of the endurance of our muscles or the ability for our muscles to repeat something over and over. All of those things are hugely important, but dance class doesn't make you fitter unless that teacher has purposely molded their class to address fitness, um, which is, is not typically what a teacher has time to address in that class because there's a lot of skill building that needs to happen. So, Every dancer, just like any other athlete, should be taught to do, should be training and strengthening outside of their technique class in order to give themselves the strength to do what they're body's skill wants them to do. Um, so definitely weightlifting is fabulous. Um, a lot more dancers should be lifting weights, of course, learning how to do it safely and learning mm-hmm. how to do it in a way, um, you know, from someone who's educated in teaching that. Um, but also things like Pilates is great resistance training, gyrotonic is adds resistance training. Um, there's lots of different modes. I would say most dancers should just pick something that you really like to do and you're going to stick with. Um, that you can have fun with because otherwise it's, it's hard to keep it Mm -hmm. in your program, but dancers should darn well be strong. And it is, it is not in my opinion, it's not an, and there's a lot of research to back this up, but it's, it shouldn't necessarily be an option. It's a requirement. Mm -hmm. If you want to dance at a
0: high level, you should be strengthening. Thank you so much for that answer. And thank you so much for the class that you provided with pivot dancer. I, I took it, oh, and yeah. I'm so glad I, I I was able to take your class. So, like, thank you for that. Oh yeah, thank you for joining. Now, my next question is concerning research, uh, because some of the listeners are PhD students or are working in grad school, um, and not necessarily for physical therapy school, but more so for you know to continue with their with their PhD and do more research. Can you tell me about your experience when you first published a paper?
1: Sure. Um, so,
0: you know, my experience
1: in research is very much from a clinician viewpoint. Um, so my, my program as a physical therapist was a doctor of physical therapy, a clinical doctorate. So, um, you know, I, my first foray into publishing a paper, I will say I, I somewhat got thrown into it and got thrown into the fire, which of course is, it's one way to learn. <laughs> um, and, uh, how I, ended up having that experience was, um, I, I had a work study assignment to work in the biomechanics lab mm-hmm. with our PhD students. Cause there's a PhD program, um, a, that was housed in the same same program as my PT program. So I worked on work study. I got involved in and pulled into the study because I had a dance background. And um, the person who was um, running the study had been wanting someone with a dance perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were looking at uh, kinematics and kinetics. So looking at forces at the joints for people who don't have that kind of background and looking at the joint angles when dancers were jumping and landing from leaps and jumps. Um, and so I helped, you know, with collecting data, but a lot of it was really me watching and learning with the PhD students who really knew so much more about the technical side of things. Um, so it was great cause I got to learn a lot. Um, and eventually, uh, I got to present some of that data in a poster format. And so it was a good practice to learn how to speak the language and understand how you would put that together. And that led me into um, getting the opportunity to do a lot of writing with the, that first paper and contributing. Um, the My mentor at the time, who's still a mentor of mine, Dr. Cornelia Kulig at the University of Southern California, um, is an amazing educator. She's one of the best um, professors I ever had. And as someone who was so, um, so intelligent and so um, on top of things, she was also really, really wonderful at helping new students really get involved and encourage them to kind of take a leap and, um, you know, allow our names to be put on papers pretty early on and um, helping us to, to get our feet wet. So that That was great, but I definitely was um, thrown into the fire a little bit not being a PhD student um, and got to go through the writing, submitting, rewriting, answering lots of questions. And that was a huge learning process. Um, Yeah. So I I definitely did not come into it through the, the, you know, maybe more traditional PhD route. So I'm assuming... And I still... I was going to say, I still approach research very much from a clinician point of view and try to work with people who understand the technical side of things much more than I do. So I'm
0: assuming that you work a lot with force plates and I don't know if motion capture... Is that yes?
1: Okay. Yeah. So that was that was my my initial beginning was um, was being exposed to motion capture, um, use Vicon, um, and then working with force plate data. So a lot of kinematics and kinetics initially,
0: which is also com- it's complicated. It's a complicated complicated thing to do, you know. <laughs> Yes, it is. And I
1: I feel like at the time, like I said, um, you know, it was it was very much a learning process. And I it it was a big challenge for me to present some of the data at conferences initially, because uh, people who had a much larger biomechanics background might ask me a question when I was on the platform and it would be much more from the technical side. And I, I would I would realize how much I still had to learn about um, about all of the computer systems and all of the data, because I learned to process some of it and I much, I I have a skill in analyzing sort of how that, that data relates to clinical perspectives and kind of putting that together in the writing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot to absorb certainly.
0: I want to ask you a question now. Uh, I was checking your, your Instagram and this was something that I had to stop and just re-read, reread, it. So you quote unquote, I'm quoting you uh, to my dancers out there. Do you experience the need to pee frequently? And, and so I was thinking, okay, well, okay. I feel the need that I have to pee frequently. So I'm like, I have to ask Brooke because I'm sure if I feel the need, there's other dancers out there that might feel the same thing. So what can you tell me about that?
1: Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I also, um, am trained in pelvic floor physical therapy and the pelvic floor muscles. If, if anyone out there doesn't have a lot of knowledge on that are the muscles that sit at the base of your pelvis and they need to contract and basically help you hold urine in and also, and, um, they also need to relax in order for you to urinate and have bowel movements. They also are important in lots of other functions like support of the pelvis and sexual function, et cetera. But when it comes to having to pee all the time, um, so if we're looking at things that, that are related to those pelvic floor muscles and the nerves and that whole region, um, there are certain symptoms that people can have that are actually relatively common um, that we don't realize might be related to maybe an imbalance in that area. So if um, for most people having to pee, you should probably be able to go between two to four hours between urinations unless you've just like chugged a ton of water and way too much or had a bunch of coffee (laughs) Um, typically two to four hours is pretty, pretty much within kind of our average range. But if you're somebody who has to go a lot, or let's say you go to the bathroom and then five minutes later, you feel like you have to go again, Mm -hmm. or you didn't quite empty, or you've got to pee every 20 minutes or, um, you know, once every hour, that can be a sign that something's out of balance and could be related to the pelvic floor. And there's lots of things that, that, could cause that. Um, one thing that can be a contributing factor is um, what we typically term clinically as, as hypertone or maybe excessive tension in those muscles of the pelvic floor. And if you have um either spasming or tender points or Excessive tension or you're used to holding those muscles and sucking them up and in a lot, which actually a lot of dancers learn to do um, in our training, that can actually drive this um, pattern where you start to have to urinate more often and you can actually make you sense like your bladder is irritated, but sometimes it's, a, it's what we call a referral from your tense muscles. There's lots of other reasons that can cause that frequency, but one, one definitely can be excessive tension in those pelvic floor muscles.
0: Are there any specific exercises Brooke that, that are, that should be helpful or do you offer any classes that are only and specifically for that?
1: Um, there are definitely exercises and things that are, um, that are useful. So, um, I'm currently working on, so I'm working on a website and I'm working on trying to get more information out, particularly to dancers. Um, if, if you're looking for some information, I, um, am working with, uh, I worked with Pivot Dancer actually on an article for One Dance UK that should be coming out, Pretty soon, um, it was slated for March, but you know, um, with the world right now, things are a little slower than we expected. Right. Um, but that that's going to be published with Dance uh, One Dance UK, and I'll put it on my Instagram or put a link to it once it comes out. But it's a summary paper on the pelvic floor for dancers, and it has links to um, some exercise recordings that are actually also available on Pelvic uh, Sorry on Pivot Dancer that. Talk about basic ways to um, activate your pelvic floor as well as release. Um, one of the things that that I think is important for dancers and people who don't dance to know about helping the pelvic floor is one of the biggest places to start with is breathing. Um, Because the pelvic floor is sitting at the base of the pelvis and it's sitting somewhat in parallel with the diaphragm or our breathing muscle, as well as our, our whole, um, you know, our throat and our glottis and all of that system works together. And so a lot of the ways that people can work on maybe releasing tension from their pelvic floor is deep breathing Um, and getting their ribcage moving. And there's so many ways to do that. Some of it is really simple. It could be mindfulness or meditative breathing. It could be yoga practice. Um, It could be lying on your back, just placing your hands on your ribcage and belly and just moving and making sure that you inhale and exhale and that for dancers, spend some time letting your belly soften because we're often taught that it has to be sucked in all the time. Um, But that can actually cue our pelvic floor to relax. Um, Our pelvic floor is actually the nerves that feed it are also really related to our nervous system. So our fight Mm -hmm. or flight or our um, rest and digest system. So if you do things that are restful and stress relieving to you, that can also help. Um, There's lots of ways too, with lots of hip stretching, um, deep yoga squats that can be really helpful. And I'm getting, I'm working on some more resources once I get my website up and running um, because I've been looking, I've been getting lots of questions from dancers on that. And we'll we'll also look to do some more um, content through Pivot Dancer as well. Great,
0: awesome. So for everyone out there listening, uh, we should check Pivot Dancer and also wait for you to post something on Instagram to have more details on this. Yes. So uh, I want to ask you, one question concerning something a little bit different. I've noticed that um, you were asking for dancers. I know you posted on your social media to fill out a survey and have to basically the dancer had to have specific uh, requirements. And so I, my question is more so on the research side of things, I believe. So mm-hmm. how do you create a survey that is reliable and valid?
1: Um, question, uh, this, this survey study that I'm doing with two of my colleagues is the first time that I've worked on a survey. Cause so as I said, I, I, prior to this, I've worked with, um, teams of people on biomechanical research, um, or on case studies that involve biomechanics. So, um, approaching this, I mean, uh, before we even thought about the survey, we, um, looked a lot at other research and what was out there. So, um, you know, I started, we started with our question. So one of the, um, things that I, you know, my, my current passion that has been a passion for a long time, and now I'm finally able to really get things moving and grooving with it is function of the pelvic floor in dancers, because I've seen dancers experience things clinically, but there really is almost no research specifically on dancers and Mm -hmm. what's going on with pelvic floor symptoms. So um, my goal was, can I create something with my colleagues um, that can ask questions that can inform us, you know, what is the prevalence? Like how often are dancers experiencing pelvic floor pain? How many dancers are experiencing things like urinary leakage or related related symptoms? Um, so a lot of the, the ways that we looked at creating um, a survey that could be the most reliable and valid was a lot of background reading, which is what I love to do. Cause I can kind of go down the rabbit hole and read article mm-hmm. after article and then find the resource from that article and go to that one. Um, but we drew a lot from uh, literature on other female athletes that has been published and looked at what types of surveys were used. And then with those particular surveys, then, you know, you can pull those out and look up their psychometric properties or look at the properties right. that have been studied. So we, um, for example, within the study that we're doing, some of the questions um, are taken directly with permission from um, from a particular already made survey that's already been used and been validated in other studies and so that has been hugely helpful to us so yeah um like like dance does a lot we borrow um from what's been done in other sports (laughs) Um, yes so that's been hugely helpful
0: thank you very much for that answer um i have two more questions and Mm -hmm. these are two questions that i always do in this on the podcast Uh, my first question is did you move today
1: Uh, yes, I did. Um, though not in maybe a very formal manner. Um, I had great intentions. I woke up early thinking I was going to do a little workout for myself before my son woke up. And then um, I got all set up and he woke up. So um, so my movement this morning, um, b- both my husband and I are working from home and, and with our kiddo all day right now with um, sort of the strange circumstances of life at the moment. Yeah. And so my movement was playing with him, which actually is really, really fun because um, four-year-olds move in every way. And, <laughs> um, and he expects mom to get down on the floor with him and roll with him and move and be funny and be silly. So that's been my movement. Um, and then I'm hoping to give myself a workout this evening if I can.
0: And then my last question is what's movement for you?
1: Hmm. Movement is my jam. Um, I, I think movement is very much, um, it's what I love the most to talk about and study and think about and do. Um, so I, I guess it, for me, it feels very much a part of me. Maybe that's a dancer thing. Um, I, I feel like it's um it's just this very fluid part of my life that's always with me. And it doesn't always look the same every day, but it's it's where I like to
0: live, it's where I'm home and um where I have the most fun. Brooke, thank you very much for your time. Where can we find you online?
1: Um The best right now is um, probably on my Instagram. Um, So it's at Dr. Brooke Winder PT. Um, And I am working on a website, but it's not up yet. So I I won't give that information till I have it.
0: (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for your time. I honestly appreciate um, all the things that you've answered today. Um, I also have to acknowledge you because you're doing a lot of things at the same time, and that's Very inspiring for people like me and I'm sure for the listeners out there. Anything else that you would like to share, uh, Brooke?
1: I don't think so. Just thank you so, so much
0: for speaking with me and having me on your podcast.
1: It was really fun.
0: Great. All right, guys. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you haven't moved, you still have a couple hours. Thanks.
1: Bye.